Hi, welcome to Podcast 53, brought to you by Help with Parkinson's. Our guests today are joining us for the third and final time, Sandra Wolf and Damian Elias. And I am your host, Warren Butfinick. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, Sandra and Damian. Hi, Warren. Good to be here. Great. So thanks for coming back for the third time. And this episode, we're going to try to bring out the emotional aspect of attending such a large Congress. I would like to try and understand how it felt to be there because all, all the listeners, they weren't there and it'd be nice to know how it felt. So my first question is, how did it feel to be in the same room as people whose research and perseverance will someday improve the quality of your life or even cure Parkinson's? That's a great question, Warren. And I think from, the, from an initial take on that, just being in the same room rooms convention center with people with parkinson's was was is overwhelming and uh and reassuring yet sometimes worrisome um i tell the story frequently when i went to my you know i'm early in my diagnosis with parkinson's and i really didn't know people who had parkinson's when i was diagnosed and really for the first nine to twelve months after my diagnosis i really had not made my diagnosis public and um when I did, I, I went to a Rock City boxing class, uh, and first time ever, and I, at the end of the class, I actually emotionally burst into tears because all of a sudden I was surrounded by people who had this thing called Parkinson's, which is what I had, and it just put a, a reality to the whole uh, experience that was humbling and emotionally overwhelming because everyone who has Parkinson's sort of, it affects them in a different way, and it was... I like seeing a rainbow of afflictions, but it all boiled down to having Parkinson's. And then, as you pointed out, to compound that, to say, now you not only have people with Parkinson's, but you have their caregivers, and you've got scientists and researchers and doctors and PhDs and, you know, everyone having something in common called Parkinson's. Um, in one way, it's relaxing because you know that everyone there sort of understands uh, but in another way, it can sometimes be a little overwhelming when you do see people who are more advanced than you are. And, um, you know, you just have to remember that Parkinson's affects everyone differently. And if you see someone who's really struggling with their affliction, that, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. Right. Okay. And uh, how about there was drug companies there? And uh, sometimes people that aren't familiar with what way drug companies work, they think they're overcharging for the medication and they think it should be a lot cheaper and government controlled. Did, uh, did you get a feel, being that there was a lot of drug companies there, did you get a feeling different than, uh, than that? Do you feel like they're well, they should be better representatives, better thought of than, uh, than that? Yeah, you know, that, that's an interesting perspective because uh, obviously attending or you know, putting together a conference of this magnitude internationally is quite expensive, and all drug companies that I saw there or, or interacted with had, you know, display booths and employees and banners and, and sponsorship signs on many of the presentation slides that the uh, researchers and medical professionals were speaking about on stage. And, you know, given the fact that the, um, the registration fee was so low for uh, an attendee and... Um, the cost of the conference was obviously higher than the uh, total that they collected on the uh, some of the registration fees. It's obvious that the drug companies paid a lot of money to help 
um, offset a lot of the costs of the, of the conference. So, you know, yeah, the, the, the drug costs are very high, but it seems to me that at least what we saw in Kyoto was drug companies who were spending money to, you know, help bring this community together, bring 4,500 people together and, and help uh, defray costs of this very large conference. So I think in the end, you know, my opinion, my takeaway was that it was pretty positive to see that type of, uh, of spending. Yeah, the, the drug companies that are there, obviously the people who are attending are not the ones who are doing the pricing or, you know, interfacing with the government on pricing. Or They're, they're sales reps and they're working hard. They've traveled, they've left their families, they've left their homes, they've traveled halfway around the world to live in a hotel room, and they're working long hours, they're standing at the booths, they're trying to educate people, they're trying to be helpful, and, and really I don't think there's any animosity when you're at the conference toward the drug companies. And they really are just trying to help people and educate people and just educate everyone, whether it's a person with Parkinson's, a caregiver, or, or someone in the healthcare industry, really just trying to educate them on what their products do and, uh, you know, what, maybe even some upcoming products or clinical trials that they have underway. Right. And uh, you get to see it from a little different perspective when you see them all there, all battling the same. They're all the Parkinson's representatives. Yeah. So they want to cure just as much as everybody else does. You're, you're absolutely right, Warren. It, you know, the other thing about being at this, this Congress in, in, in Kyoto was we, we had this great inside seat, um, and we were looking from the inside out on the entire Parkinson's community, both patients, caregivers, researchers, medical professionals, and Obviously, you know, in our daily lives, we're on the outside looking in. And that was a very different perspective for me. Um, you know, I'd met a couple of people with Parkinson's after Sandra was diagnosed and then more and more. But being there, you know, there were a thousand people with Parkinson's, but we were all inside this bubble of research and discussion. And that was energizing to me to understand more in an environment that would be very hard to replicate anywhere else in the world. Right. And the thing is, if you read a study before you got there, the actual person that wrote that study could, act, could be there. It must be kind Absolutely. Of, That's correct. It's kind of an unusual feeling. So get back to my first question. These people that, that do these studies and showed up at these co Congress, the scientists and the, uh, the people that are looking for a cure, they, uh, they could have had different professions that paid more money or more, more fame, but a lot of them have their own reasons for what they're doing and they're, they kind of do it as, as a labor of love. Do, do you get that impression? I definitely think whether it's you know, a, a nurse, a physical therapist, a researcher, you know, or, or even some of the drug company or somebody running an exercise class for people with Parkinson's, if you really get to know any of those people coming at the disease from any different angle, most of them have had a relative in the family, a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt that they have seen with the affliction. And uh, it, it gives them the motivation to make their life's work really to try and find the cure so that they can eradicate this disease and, and that uh, they will not have to see people in the future with the same disease. Right. And, uh, you, you mentioned when we talked about this before we got on the air that there was people that actually got rich from the, uh, this profession. 
Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I was uh, I was impressed by some people who were obviously had profitable operations, profitable ventures, um, but it seemed to me that most, if not all, of them had repurposed a lot of that profit and put it back into continuing to expand their entities or associations' uh, research and development efforts. And so, in my mind, it was a really admirable use of the profit to say, yes, we're making money on this, but we're going to keep investing more and more in the research side of our business. And, um, you know, you wonder how much money they could put in to research and how many other companies could follow that same sort of path um, and you add up all those dollars, and you think there's really a lot of money being spent on research in Parkinson's and you know, trying to find a cure. So, you know, I found that sort of uh, admirable from a capitalist perspective, yet admirable from a philanthropy perspective because they were reinvesting in really a great cause. Right. So you get the feeling that nobody's in it for the money. They're all in it for the, no. for the, for the cause. No. No, but if they could generate money, they actually generated it and put it back into the cause. Right. And I guess that's what, was there any people there from like Michael J. Fox or the APDA? Yeah, the, yes, there were. And as you know, the Michael J. Fox people always say that all they want to do is work themselves out of a job. Right. Yeah, they, they spend every penny every year, they said. They, they don't carry over any money. There were a number of... Um, Groups such as that, there's a number of uh, the APDA, the Michael J. Fox, I can't remember them all, but there's a, a number of them. And then there's even the state chapters or you know, local chapters of the same organizations. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you think that would be something that we, we should designate a representative from our area to go out there every three years? Um, I, definitely, you know, there's certainly some positives that could be considered. Um, I know that from some of the people that, that I know that maybe are in social media, they have social media sites dedicated to Parkinson's or very active uh, groups on Facebook or just, you know, little groups of people that just come together in their own private uh, chat groups. Um, some that have their own, uh, you know, podcasts, such as what you're doing. Uh, they did a lot of research before the Congress. Uh, they, they knew what the program was. They, they um, identified people in the industry that they wanted to interview. Uh, one group that I know, before we even got to the Congress, they had already done 10 interviews with different attendees. They had mm -hmm. all made arrangements to participate in a roundtable. Right. Another group that I'm, that I'm familiar with um, in the PD arena, they submitted uh, their papers. These are not doctors or researchers. These are just people that have uh, Parkinson's, but they're so into their own personal research that they submitted abstracts. So I think, you know, sending someone to the com Congress is probably a great idea. I think a lot of upfront work could be done to maximize the experience. And I say that in hindsight. Um, we obviously have never been to such an event as this. And if you really wanted to maximize even more your participation, you could probably spend two or three months before the Congress trying to do research, trying to get yourself organized and reaching out and contacting some of the presenters and really seeing how you can be involved in any way, shape, or form in the actual Congress. Mm. I agree. I think that person needs to be high energy to be able to manage their way through the conference to, you know, perform at the highest level so they can report back. 
uh, on everything they saw, experienced. Um, it's really a, it has probably a full-time job for a couple of weeks pre and post conference to, um, you know, better understand exactly what is going on and, uh, you know, what else needs to be done. Right. Yeah, we have three years to do it. So maybe we could uh, set up fundraisers for that and interview people that are good communicators. What, what needs to be done there. Okay. And uh, being that this is a world Congress, it must've been kind of a unique experience to see all different cultures, all with the same Parkinson's disease. Could you uh, see any, did you see any noticeable differences the way their culture was working with them? them being afflicted by Parkinson's. I, I don't know if we, if we saw any particular differences in culture. Um, but one of the things that did strike us were, was that there were probably more quote unquote older males than females. And even though, in, in, as we've talked, uh, Parkinson's is almost a 50, 50 hit. Uh, seemed like the, uh, maybe the males were just a little more amenable to the travel. Maybe they had traveled in their careers. Uh, whereas females might not have been as comfortable to, to actually do the travel to get to the Congress. But as far as cultures, we, I don't think I've noticed anything of difference. No, I don't think so. I, I definitely, uh, it, it, it was pretty obvious who was Japanese and, and who was, you know, European, you know, Western Hemisphere, but definitely more Japanese women were there afflicted with Parkinson's than other cultures that I could affect. Um, and I, they were almost always almost always had a, a, a caregiver that was also female. And um, so that's the one thing that sort of stood out to me, but the rest of the attendees were sort of uh, homogenous. It sort of just uh, melded together, and I, I really couldn't tell. Um, I heard a few um, international, you know, international accents speaking English. Once in a while, I could catch a, a language. Um, but again, mostly uh, European, um, a few Australians, and a good number of, uh, of Japanese. Okay. And uh, how did it feel seeing some people, I assume, could hardly walk, they're freezing, and some people were getting along great? How did it feel to see that many people that could hardly walk? Was, was that disturbing or was it handled pretty well? Well, I have to say the first day was very depressing for me. I'd never been around that many people with Parkinson's. Hardly mm -hmm. wanted to go back the next day. But when I did go back, I did see sort of the bright side of the, of the, of the Congress, which was how many people were there so willing to help those that needed help. Um, there were volunteers um, just everywhere. And, you know, as each person uh, who needed assistance up or down the ramp uh, approached, so many volunteers tried to help them. I really didn't see people freezing that much, but you could tell they were having difficulty navigating. Um, the conference center in Kyoto is enormous. Um, and there are some very challenging areas to it. The main, the main general assembly hall is on a, in a, on a slope from the back to the front with 4,000 seats. Wow. So the, there were a lot of people assisting people walking down those uh, aisleways and then walking back up those aisleways every uh, morning. And, and uh, you know, that, 
you, 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 you obviously you could feel that there was a there was a slowness in the room as people were waiting to allow others to make their way in or out. Um, but in the end, it, you know, it all worked and it all came together because so many people were helping others. Right. I, just kind of like a funny thing. I was just wondering, did you see around 2 o'clock or 10 o'clock, everybody starting to take pills at the same time? Yeah, I don't know if Damien sees it. He probably doesn't catch it, but I catch it. Yeah, it's, it's, it must be kind of bags out. Yeah. Yeah, because that's it's kind of the same time. It's roughly the same time, four hours apart. Yeah. I actually did catch a conversation once about two people talking about trying to determine what time it really was <laughs> and uh, whether or not it was time to take their pills or not. Right. Uh, because, you know, we were 12 hours uh, off the East Coast time. Right. And did, did you feel like a closeness to people there, being that you have – Everybody had the same disease, or, or is it basically you just sort of stuck to yourselves? Because you really had nothing in common except for Parkinson's. I think when we sat down at lunch, so we were on you know, long tables in a big uh, hall. Uh, you know, we tried to talk to people around us and try to understand where they were from or, or who had Parkinson's and who was there helping or you know, why they had come. But the conversations were pretty quick because we only had about half an hour to sit, uh, and then we had to move quickly to get to the next uh, the next uh, session. Um, but it, it was funny at lunch because um, the uh, all the lunches were Japanese, and the only utensils they provided were chopsticks. Right, that's funny. <laughs> It was interesting. All the Japanese people, even those with Parkinson's, had no problem with chopsticks. <laughs> so how'd you deal with them? Did you try it? Oh, yeah. We're, we're not bad at it, but I was definitely outclassed by, uh, by the Japanese there. And you, you think that you'll be going back next time, being that uh, your Parkinson's will be a little bit further along, or, or you, you think you could handle any, any condition? Oh, I definitely, it's on our calendar to go three years from now, in 2022, Barcelona. Yeah, so Barcelona should be uh, definitely interesting. Um, it will definitely uh, it be something that will prepare a little better, a little more for this time. Uh, you know, we didn't do a lot of pre-conference research other than, you know, looking at the book uh, or the, 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 uh, the online uh, program. But I think this time around, we're going to be better prepared. Right. Sounds good. So I'm glad you had a good time there. So you, you would recommend this? If it wasn't for the money, you would recommend this for everybody then? That- yeah, I, I would absolutely recommend it. And I think the next time it's in the States, especially since it probably will be you know, more convenient for people, uh, that's the one I would bet that will be here in six years. Right. I think that, the, you know, be great to get as many people as possible to go that way. Right, it sounds like it's 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 a perfect uh, perfectly run organization. The way it, they probably start started now now for the next time. Oh, they have. They, their staff to put this on work full time year round. It's not they just all disband and then start up again in twenty twenty two. They they're already working full time. Yeah, the only commentary that um, I would have on on 
you know, if I had uh, the ability to influence the conference would be a better way to structure the sessions because there were so many overlapping sessions in four days that there was just no way you could attend everyone you wanted to. Um, but, you know, there, there might, be, might be a better plan next time because they're trying to present so much information at once. Right. So it's kind of like the Olympics, I guess. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's exactly like that. There, when you go to a conference, sometimes in the breakout sessions, they're repeated so that uh, people can catch them at different times. Nothing was repeated here. Everything was one and only. And right. there could be 20 or more things going on at the same time. And I know from the people that we talked to, we all felt we would have appreciated if they, if the speakers could have maybe uploaded their presentations to some central hub. They did have an app that you could use on your iPhone um, that had contained the program, but they didn't have the actual ability to access the slides that of the presenters. And a lot of times if a presenter was you know, talking about something that was of great interest, everybody was holding up their phones, taking pictures of the, of the screen prints. Right. Uh, I know that I know that um, that's a topic that they have had uh, presented to them in the past. It's just really the cost of getting all of that, the manpower to organize all of those presentations, upload them, make them available, make the bandwidth available. They said it's really just a, a, a cost. Right. So it's not a uh, an issue of them not wanting you to photograph things. No. It's just, I guess, basically so much of their operations are funded by different entities, and they said they just didn't have any funding to cover the, you know, collection of all the presentations and the storage of those presentations. But it's something that they know people want, and it's something that they will hopefully try to get funding for for the next one. Right. And do you know, do you know how it, uh, it works with these people that do the speaking? Would you know ahead, way ahead of time, or, or do they, they – only sign up like a month ahead of time. Oh no, the the, the program for this um, for this event is probably a hundred pages. Uh, it was laid out well in advance of the event, and I know from having just been in some of these events in the past, there's usually a deadline by which the speaker has to present their abstract of their of the, their talk, and then there's usually a time when they have to submit their actual slides to the talk. So it's really just a massive coordination effort, and then a storage effort, and a, a right. The effort to make the, the uh, presentations available to the audience. So that may be something to, to work with them, because if you could work a few months ahead of time and get a copy of everything, that would, uh, that would make things easier. It sure would. Even if they have to ch pay for it you know, with, with a company that handles the downloads and things like that. And that could be a, an add-on feature they may offer where if, you know, you pay your registration fee and pay an additional you know, certain amount of money, you'd have access to certain things. Right. You know that, you know, we would, we would do that because it would be nice to have all those presentations so we could take the time uh, to review them again because it's tough to it, absorb that in four days. Mm -hmm. Just to read it and try to understand it over a period of weeks or months afterwards uh, would have been helpful. Yeah. How about how about uh, if uh, yeah? Do you are you allowed to answer, ask questions at these things? All of the sessions had a Q and A session, and sometimes I would say almost every session we were in the, the questions the, it exceeded the time available. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. So they 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 let it run over a little bit. 
They didn't. They did, but not by more than a minute or two. Because okay. <laughs> the, the, shop, the, the, the time to move around the building was about 10 minutes before each session. And sometimes the walk was 12 minutes long. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So you had to keep moving. They had to keep moving. Yeah, otherwise you'd be way behind. But, so, but overall, you're still very pleased with the way things worked out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. A great experience all around. Good. And uh, do you have anything else you want to say before I ask my follow-up question or anything you want to talk about? No, go ahead. Okay. I just, I just want to know, from before you went there to after you went there, how, how, how has it changed you? Has it changed you at all? I definitely believe, well, I, I don't think there will ever be a cure for Parkinson's because Parkinson's is a complex disease and it probably originates in different ways for different people in much the same way as cancer would have been viewed 20 years ago, we went mm-hmm. four years ago, we went found a cure for cancer. We're finding the cure for cancer in pieces, and I think when the Parkinson's will be that same way. But I think the thing that I walked away with, I felt much more encouraged than um, so many times the stuff that we read over the internet is a you know announcement of a, a trial on a new biomarker or a new drug to alleviate the symptoms. And, you know, it's just nice to know that there is a faction out there that's actually working on identifying what causes this disease and, you know, then trying to get the root of either modifying that or prohibiting that from happening. Um, so that, that to me was encouraging that we got to see more of that type of a presentation versus a lot of what you read on the Internet, which is like, hey, there's a new drug here, there's a new drug here. Um, people really trying to understand what's causing the disease and trying to be proactive in preventing that from happening. Hmm. Damon, you I think, Yeah, I think that, that attending that con- Congress really um, it modified my perspective in the positive potential of the continued research and development because I really didn't understand the the magnitude of research and um, development and testing that is going on in the Parkinson's world. Um, And a different perspective, I guess a different opinion, that it was not really receiving enough attention. All I knew was the Michael J. Fox Foundation and the 100 million or so that they uh, find each year. But when you go to a world event like um, the Congress in Kyoto, it really makes you feel good that the world is spending billions and billions and billions of dollars on this, on this disease. And I think that's very positive because I agree with Sandra. I think that there'll never be a, a cure, but a one pill fix, one pill fix all. all, but there are going to be treatments that are going to be, um, you know, restorative enough or preventative enough that people who are diagnosed, I believe, will be able to live mostly normal lives. That's a good thought. Well, thanks for uh, coming in for the third time, and that wraps up our three-part session. Thanks, Sandra. Thanks, Damien. Welcome, Warren. Thank you.